0: Inside the yard at a very, very special show today. John Means will join us coming up here in a few moments. It's Brett Hollander and Jeff Arnold. And Jeff, it was a lot of fun calling a no-hitter from an Orioles pitcher with you the other day. Wow, what an experience.
1: Man, that was so much fun. And the first individual no-hitter since 1969 and being able to call it and just, I thought it was really cool. It was like, I saw John pitch in the minor leagues and I seen how far he's come. And if you look at his story a little bit farther and we asked him in the, in the interview about what type of pitcher was he, when he was in high school and you might be surprised at the answer that, that you got, or maybe you won't be surprised depending on uh, how much you, you know about his story. But, but yeah, it, it was really cool to see somebody like that put together arguably the finest pitching performance in Orioles history and one of the best pitching performances overall that we've seen in the major leagues in a long time, because remember, it was almost a perfect game. Um, and to see some what Some believe it did, was. Some yeah. believe it was, yeah. Perf- I'd say we, I think I heard it said on a talk show to me the other day, perfect-ish game, I think is how maybe we should refer to it as. But, but it was so cool to watch him do it considering where he came from. I mean, this is a guy that had to change high schools and the story has been uh, detailed and full but to to see where he started and to where he's come um it's kind of like a, a michael jordan type of story uh, of of how hard it, it it was for him to get to this point how far he has come and um it's going to be really exciting to see how how much farther he's going to go
0: yeah and i think there are a few things that make it extra special one is it's john means it's some of the fans know he's been around for a few years it's not Flukish in the sense that mm-hmm. uh, John has put together an incredible run going back to last year. He was an all-star and almost mm-hmm. rookie Year in 2019 and he's young. He's entering his prime years. It kind of makes sense in that regard. And the other thing is that it's such a victory. And you know, this as well as anyone Jeff for the organization that there was a scout that identified John means for the Baltimore Orioles in the 11th round. There were countless coaches along the way. What, the last guy to make an appearance in 18, kind of in a desperate sense, made the roster in 19, got into games early, took advantage of the opportunity, got great advice from Brandon Hyde along the way, got great advice from Chris Holt along the way, learned how to throw a change up. There's so many wins internally for the organization to see this through, what John means. To me, that's the really special thing. It means the organization works and functions. And when you have victories like that, that's, that's when you can get really competitive and it can get really fun.
1: It can. And I think it all starts with a player, too. I mean, a lot of the work that was put in, like it's one thing for Chris Holt to, to help John Means with his changeup, but Means has got to still work on that pitch himself. It's one thing to be having a pitching coach say, Hey, I probably sequence this guy this way. I might try and do this instead. But it's up to Means when he's on the mound to actually execute it and do it. And I think it just goes to Means' ability to make adjustments and fix things and make tweaks because that's, I think, and I was told this by a former minor league uh, coordinator at some level, it comes down to the player being able to make the adjustment and do it, you know, at the lower levels. And I think it's kind of what separates, you know, pitchers and hitters and everyone else at the, the lower levels from being able to move up to the double A's, the triple A's, and then eventually to the major leagues. And then once you get to the major leagues, being able to stick in the major leagues is, can you make the adjustments that you have to make? Because at the lower levels players often know what they have to do, but some of them physically just can't do it. And then once you get to double a it's you got to make adjustments and if you can make adjustments, that's great. But then you suddenly go into the American league East and you suddenly face major league lineups every day. We know that the Orioles have the hardest schedule in baseball right now. And if you look at the the winning percentages as to who they face, it's it's not close. Um, If you can't make adjustments then it's going to be really tough for you to stick around. And what we've seen from John Means is he makes adjustments really, really well. He works really hard. He's super prepared. And it's what makes his arsenal play up. And um, he's a very intelligent pitcher. And I, I think that's something that we really have to remember and, and why he's been so successful.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree more. So we'll get to John Means in a moment. But first, Orioles fans, enjoy Orioles baseball like never before with the Budweiser center field roof deck. Overlooking the playing field on top of the batter's eye wall in center field, the deck offers a bird's eye view of Camden Yards. Tickets include complimentary Boogs barbecue, a parking pass, and access to the Budweiser roof deck bar. Purchase your seats online at orioles.com tickets. And a very special guest here on Inside the Yard. We say that a lot. We really mean it this time. Someone coming off of a complete game, no-hitter, a sublime performance by Orioles ace, John Means, who joins us right now. And, John, I know you've heard a lot over the last few days, but congratulations.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on, too. It's been crazy.
0: How many friends have come out of the woodwork for you over the last five or so days? (laughs) Yeah.
2: Honestly, I haven't even started on my text messages. Maybe a, a few of them I've gotten back to, but there's, there's hundreds that I haven't even come close to responding to, so I can't even tell you. It's been, it's been crazy. John, has
1: it sunk in just who you're joining in the category of those who have thrown a no-hitter for the Orioles and those who in major league history have thrown a no-hitter uh, yet?
2: Uh, to be honest with you, probably not. I, I think we might have to wait till the off season because all I can think about is just pitching against the Mets tomorrow. So, I yeah, it, it hasn't really sunk in. I mean, it, it's it's definitely cool, and I, I don't want to you know water it down at all. It, it's been really cool. I just I, I don't think it's fully sunk in. You know how how crazy this is,
0: John. How do you feel physically? Not necessarily in just the arm sense, but the I'm guessing pretty emotional toll the last few days have taken on you how do you feel right now just overall
2: i feel pretty good uh yeah you know after the day after i I recovered pretty well um well not not so much the off day but the day the first game when i first played catch i I felt pretty good the arm felt well um you know it wasn't too many pitches um over my my last high so uh it really wasn't too bad And, and yeah you know emotionally and everything it's just it's just been crazy. Um, but, you know, I've been getting all my work in, so I'm ready to go.
1: John, when you were sitting in the dugout, kind of waiting to go back out there for the eighth and ninth innings, what kind of stuff's going through your mind at that point?
2: Um, you know, I was just trying to stay as loose as possible. Um, you know, I, I know a lot, of, a lot of people try to, you know, stay away from people don't want to talk and everything. I was trying to find everybody I could to talk to and, and just try and stay loose and not think about what was actually going on. Um, just trying to keep it as loose as possible so I can go out there, stick with the game plan, not worry about it. But that ninth inning, I, I did get some get some jello legs when I was out there a little bit during warmups. And I started to kind of uh, lose feeling there. But after the first pitch, I, I felt pretty good and I locked back in. There's a camera shot of Austin
0: Hayes coming over to you and saying something and you guys giving a high five or a fist bump. What did Austin say
2: in that moment in the dugout? I think I said something to him. I said, I thought that ball was five rows deep um, to left field that that, uh, that guy had hit. So I, yeah, I thought it was gone. I, I looked back and I was like, yep, that's a, that's a homer. The solo shot has been getting me all year. I'm like, this is how it's going to end a solo home run. And thank God he was there at the wall to catch it. And thank God we were not Kim and yards.
1: What has it meant to have Pedro Severino on this journey with you? I mean, if you go back to September, you and Severino have been working together the entire time. And it seems like you guys are on the same page whenever you're out on the mound. What has he meant um, as a catcher for you during this incredible
2: stretch? It's been great to have. I mean, over the past three years, we've been, he's caught so many games of mine and we're usually, you know, on the same page and have the same thought process as far as, you know, reading swings and, and thinking what guy is looking for and, and just every pitch, it's, it, it just seems to be seamless um, into, into the next one. Um, yeah, it, it's just, it, it's so great having a catcher. It, it's one of the most underrated positions, I think, in all of sports, uh, the catching position, because you have to play both sides of the ball. And so, and both sides are so important. Um, and, and I love, I love catching. I love, I love the art of it. I love the, everything that goes into it. I, I'm obsessed with it. And then when you have a good catcher, it just makes the biggest difference in the world.
0: John, when you look at your recent run, I mean, you've been great all year, but compared to the end of last year, you told us going to spring training, that's the most dominant you've ever been in your career. Is this just equal to that? Have you exceeded even that dominance from the end of last season?
2: Um, yeah, I, I don't really look at it like that, but, you know, I I, I feel really good. Um, I, I feel really, really good with, you know, what I need to do to have success. And I think, uh, I think Ben McDonald told me in an interview that he, he said after about 200 innings, a pitcher really starts to figure out who, what kind of pitcher he is. And, and I really do think that, I you know, I have a very good idea of what I need to do to have success. And it's not that I'm going to go out there and do it every night, but it's, it's the fact that, you know, if I don't do it, I know what I did wrong. I know what I need to do to have, to get better. And, and I just have a really good feel for, for what my pitches do. And when I, need to throw them and and how they work and and everything that goes into it
1: do you feel like uh, you've matured more as a pitcher earlier on in your career just because this is such a young pitching staff and a lot of guys look up to you do you feel like you're more mature now um, than maybe you thought you would be in the first couple of years of your career
2: uh yeah yeah I think after that first one we we had a few veterans on the team to kind of lead the way and and I, you know, I didn't really know that I would be kind of that guy here. You know, two years later, um, but yeah, I think so. I think I, I've I've taken on that role, and and uh, I feel like I've definitely matured a lot quicker than I thought I would. Um, just, but you know, I like it. I, I like being in that role. I, I like you know going to these young guys and, and trying to teach them, you know, the the kind of ins and outs of the big leagues and just a little bit of the little you know tweaks here and there of the difference between big leagues and, and AAA. Speaking of Ben McDonald, he went 1-1 in the
0: draft. At the time, one of the most highly touted collegiate prospects of all time. And I made the comment the other day that I thought your performance and what you've done in your career is a win for the 11th rounders. And for an organization to be successful, it can't just be about that first round pick. And the reality is there's a lot of guys that may not get the national pub uh, that the Grayson Rodriguez of the world get or the Deal Halls. And those two are, you know, are very deserving of it. They're exciting prospects, but uh, do, do you think your performance and your start to your career sends a broader message to baseball and, and to people in the organization saying that you don't have to be that anointed one to get to the show and be really good?
2: Yeah. And that's honestly the beautiful part about this game is that there's so many kids that get drafted that you see these, these stories come out and, and, those late bloomers. I mean, in other sports like football, basketball, if you're a late bloomer, you might get missed in baseball. There's a lot of kids that get a chance. And I think that, um, you know, myself included, I just didn't really have it all figured out by the time I got drafted. So I needed to figure out a few different things and, and development process of the minor leagues. And, and with this organization and what we have brought in and the development that, that we've put emphasis on, um, you're going to see a lot more stories like this, I believe, and, and those late round picks that maybe maybe we saw something in them that, you know, was was kind of went lost uh, when they're in college or high school and, and they start to develop and, and start to figure some things out. And, and you're going to start to see these guys come up to the big leagues and be really, really uh, productive. John, when you
1: take a look at some of the, the younger pitchers in the organization, you saw a lot of good ones in spring training. Was there maybe somebody that stood out to you that you really enjoyed watching?
2: I, this spring training was weird because I wasn't really able to watch a whole lot of guys. And we weren't able to stay. Um, but I, I watched D.L. Hall um, in, uh, in at the alternate site when I was there last year when I was rehabbing. And uh, him and Grayson Rodriguez both. I didn't really get to see Grayson pitch, but D.L. Hall came in after me one outing. And I was, you know, I was like 90, 91 to 96. And I felt pretty good about myself. And then he comes in sitting 98 miles an hour from the left side and, and touching a hundred. And I was sitting there like, Oh, okay. Like this kid, this kid's got some legit stuff. I mean, it it's crazy how, how athletic these kids are coming up too. like Grayson and DL both. I mean, those guys are absolute animals in the weight room, which is, which is cool to see. Cause I mean, it's not only are they talented, but they, they work really hard. They're, They're really good at the the stuff that's going to keep them healthy. And and that's another emphasis. So I, when I saw DL pitch, I was like, okay, that that kid's got a big, big league arm. So uh, I look forward to seeing him up here, you know, decently soon.
0: And not to get, uh, you know, I guess on my soapbox again, but I, you know, we all like seeing 98, 99. It's fun. It's not as fun as it used to be because a lot of people are doing it. But, you know, I think another thing is that you can dominate 92 to 95 and we saw that the other day. I mean, you made, and you have made, for your last 11 starts, hitters look downright foolish throwing a fastball in a more traditional, you know, velocity range. And, you know, I hope that message gets out there, too, that you don't have to try and pump it, you know, every time, max effort. And also, you're more effective. And that's been proven now in the middle 90s.
2: Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think something that, you know, gets lost a little bit in analytics is, is the deception part of it. And I think if you're trying to throw as hard as you possibly can on the mound, every time the deception gets lost when you're, when you're really aggressive, but when you're smooth and loose and fluid and the ball just kind of jumps out of your hand at the end, I, I think that looks so much harder than the velocity says. And, and I think that, you know, that that's when you kind of get into the spin rates a little bit and, and the little, little things that go really you know deep into pitching. Um, and I, I think we have that kind of figured out now, but the deception aspect, like you look at, you know, Lowther, um, he leads the league in strikeouts every year in, in whatever league he's in. It seems like, but he's he's a ninety ninety two guy, and but he just blows fastballs by people. It's the deception part of it, it kind of gets lost, but it, but it's definitely a thing and definitely something that um, can be really effective for guys.
1: With you have any amount of success that you have and I asked Brandon Hyde this the other day, do you think we're going to get back to seeing more pitchers that it becomes about deception and command and changing speeds as opposed to just everybody saying, I got to throw 95 miles an hour. And if I don't, then I'm not going to be a successful big league pitcher.
2: Yeah, I think so. Definitely. I mean, I think it'll get to a point where, you know, velo definitely matters, but you can't overthrow. So it's, you know, trying to create the most velo, but also having the deception and having that, Um, I, I, I still think we're going to see Velo's tick up quite a bit here in the next, you know, five, 10, 15 years. Um, but it, but that part of it, the deception part of it it is also going to be an emphasis and we can't just have a guy going max effort every throw because you start to lose that deception and guys are going to be on it. That was my problem last year when I was, when I was throwing harder, I was trying to throw as hard as I possibly could every pitch. And I was very fast to fast instead of slow to fast. And and that was the big change that I made, and kind of just calming myself down. And I think you're going to see guys calm themselves down and, and use that deception. But I think the velo still is going to be decently important. And ninety two ninety five isn't isn't exactly slow. Maybe in today's game, but it's but it's going to be really tough to pitch it at eighty nine ninety.
0: And then I love the maturation of the slider and curveball over the last few years. And it's not that like you're throwing them a ton, but to me it's one of those things where it's just one more way to get you out. It's one more thing for the hitter to think about how important has, have those two pitches been, even though it's, you know, you're still going to, you know, rely on that fastball changeup combination, but how, how important have those two pitches been for you to kind of take what it looks to be like a big next step?
2: Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm really excited that my curveballs has it, been working pretty well um, because that's just been a project of mine for the past year or two. Um, me and hold have been working on it nonstop and, and, and trying to get that because it's a really good pitch it's just a, it's inconsistent i you know throwing it for strikes and then throwing it strike the ball for swings and misses um but it's come on a lot lately and the slider too um yeah i, I just i'm excited to have those and, and kind of whenever i want um situations of throwing it behind in the count or for swing and miss when i need it but yeah fastball changeup up is, is right now is what's working but i could always you know change that up and go to the curveball go to the slider because I do have a lot of confidence in those pitches.
1: John, last one for me. We know where you are now, but take us back to high school pitcher John means and what he was like and what he was throwing and how he was approaching hitters. What do you remember from uh, your days in high school?
2: <laughs> uh, I was, I was more of a hitter in high school. I did, I pitched a little bit. Um, I, I was more of a first baseman, but yeah, I, I was more of a thrower. I'd get on the mound. I mean, I was okay. I was mostly fastball, curveball um, for me. Um, I was a big curveball guy, but uh, in the in pro ball, the curveball didn't exactly work out too well. Uh, the the first one that I was throwing, um, but yeah, it was mostly fastball, curveball. I just didn't I didn't know how to pitch. I was just kind of throwing strikes, and hopefully hitters would miss it. In Kansas high school baseball, it wasn't too difficult, but um, but yeah, I just tried to throw the ball over the plate. To be honest with you. Hey, Bubba Starling went to your high school. You had
0: a few bo- pro ball players from your high school, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Me and Bubba both got uh, – both the same age. Uh, he got drafted in 11. I, well, I guess we both did. Uh, I, I was a little different round. His, his was first. Mine was 46. So, uh, a little <laughs> uh, different. But, uh, but, yeah, we, we had – you know, it, it's crazy that, you know, out of this little – I mean, we're not a big school either, little high, Kansas high school. Uh, two guys get drafted. It's pretty crazy.
0: All right, let's get into our fun five questions. You already did our original fun five. So we'll end on this. This is, these we, we like almost just as much. So John Means, uh, get ready here. What is the last series you binge watched on television? Um,
2: oh, what did I just watch? Oh, um, Ted Lasso. Great show. I've heard that's great. Unbelievable. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. It's so incredible. And he's from Kansas too. So maybe I'm a little biased.
0: You might need one of these right now, but do you have and do you need a road alias? If so, what
2: would it be? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I need one. Um, uh, I probably, <laughs> uh, I beans. I, every, there's, some people call me beans, like John beans. And so I, I'd probably have to change John though. Um, do like Don beans or something like that.
0: Now you kind of answered this the other day, but what do you eat before and after games?
2: Uh, yeah. yeah. Before the last one, I ate uh, some eggs, bacon, and potatoes. Um, but I, I, I used to be super, super, super superstitious about all these, uh, all the different things come game day. But now I try to be as different as possible, not eat anything that's the same um, on game day and just try to mix it up. Um, so it could be, it's whatever Jenny makes me at home, that's for sure, our, our chef. Um, she's unbelievable. So she usually makes me like a, a salad with steak or a salad with fish. Um, but, you know, I, I don't eat a whole lot on game day. What would your first grade teacher say about you, John? Uh, she'd be very surprised at where I'm at. Um, she probably said, I would say something like, he didn't say a word in class, so uh, I don't know a whole lot about him. I was a quiet kid what would you be doing right now if you were not playing baseball if I wasn't playing I'd probably be coaching I uh, yeah I love this game too much to get out of it
0: we did in our in our no hitter broadcast get into your LinkedIn page a little bit so uh, Jeff was able to pull up
2: uh, all the fine print of that <laughs> that that's hilarious yeah I I haven't I haven't looked at it in a while, so it's kind of funny. I just saw after the game. I think there was an article about it, and I saw a bunch of these people that wanted to connect with me. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm get on there. <laughs> well, John, means we appreciate your time so much. We
0: know you've had a very very busy few days, but thank you and congratulations. It was so much fun to watch.
2: Yeah, thank you guys.
1: ticket deals in one place including single game tickets ticket packs special offers and more you got you covered at the orioles ticket marketplace this is your place to score exclusive deals so check back often for the latest opportunities don't wait to purchase last minute at the box office ticket prices are the same at orioles.com slash tickets to purchase
0: that's jeff i'm brett and we're joined now by kevin after john means kevin brown is with us right now and tough one it's tough to act to follow i mean i It's kind of like the Orioles rotation after you get past John means that next guy, you know, there's not as much attention on these days.
3: Yeah. The only no hitter in my baseball playing history is, you know, the, the no hit start to my age eight season. When I think I was like, Oh, for 30 to begin the year, (laughs) but then my dad strung up a, a, a tennis ball on the tree in our front yard in such a way that, uh, I would I would hit it and it would come around. I would hit it again, and then I, I swear to you, I hit like five hundred the second half of the year. It was a, it was the just greatest athletic turnaround anyone's ever seen.
0: It sounds like it was just a slump there, uh, but yeah. You you the important thing is you came out of it. Uh, what right. was your takeaway from John's no hitter in the sense of, of a, in a broader sense of his career? This isn't fluky in the sense that he's been just so dominant now going back. To early September of last year, um, I think
3: it's in the regular season the greatest pitching performance in Orioles history, and maybe that has to be modified a bit because this is a season where there have now been four no hitters. So obviously, batting averages at you know historic lows since since '68. The offense is down across the board. I get that. Um, they're 26 out of 27 first pitch strikes, like I don't care what version of the baseball in major league history you have, what physical baseball you have. My like, guy threw 26 out of 27 first pitch strikes, that's dominant no matter what the seams or the stitching or the core look like. And I, I just don't think anyone's ever been better in Orioles history in the regular season. I say in the regular season, because obviously this is a Seattle team that is, not great offensively and it can you compare John means in you know the first month plus of 2021 with Jim Palmer in the World Series it's hard to do um, but in terms of his career I, I think it's affirmation I think we all have known coming out of last year and with the start to this year you know the three of us the Orioles fans listening Orioles players Orioles coaches have known That John Means is is legit now. John Means is for real. Um, I don't think the national audience understood that necessarily yet. And I get it. Like, think about this. If I wasn't an Orioles fan, if you weren't an Orioles fan, you'd see a guy who had um, a great first year out of nowhere was an all-star, but with some underlying metrics that would suggest, you know, by fielding independent pitching, by expected ERA, by quality of contact, like uh, his numbers were probably a little bit fluky and then you look at his 2020 numbers as a whole, and you go, well, that guy was okay. We all know that John Means was a different pitcher the first half of last year and the second half of last year. And we know he's built on the second half this year. So I think, you know, for for his career, from a broader perspective, Brett, it, it, it is an affirmation that this guy is a frontline starting pitcher. And I think we have enough evidence to suggest that. And I think it's not just about statistical evidence, right? It's the evidence of pitches, it's what his changeup has become, what his fastball has become, the added velocity, the improved command. This guy belongs in the conversation um, for the frontline starters in Major League Baseball. I don't know what the term ace really means anymore. It's different contextually for different people, um, but he is a bona fide top-of-the-rotation starting pitcher. And to me, this was the moment that I think nationally sealed that.
1: Is it encouraging to UKB that, A performance like this can send a message to the minor leagues, which just got started, that even if you get selected in a lower round, that you very well, if you can make adjustments and figure out what you do well, that maybe one of these days you may not become John Means, but you can still find a way to get to the major leagues without being a first or second round pick.
3: Uh, this game broadcast should be required screening for every Orioles minor league pitcher. Like you should have to watch this before you throw your first professional pitch in the Orioles organization. I, I mean, that, that's such a wonderful part of the story, right? Is this is a guy who was nobody in high school, who was nobody in college, who was basically nobody in professional baseball until 2019? We use the phrases like god-given talent and untapped potential um those sorts of things so often with young players right the kind of guys that seem to just come out of the womb throwing 96 um the the truth is and this is a very gladwellian you know outliers 10,000 hours kind of concept but but that stuff is romanticized We, we romanticize great baseball players and basketball players and you know also historically we romanticize great actors and artists and musicians and this person wrote his first symphony at age six and you know this woman was starring on this show at age nine like the truth is there are a select select few of people in any field in the world who are just you know quote unquote born with something extra right most likely the baseball player that we think is incredibly naturally gifted um, outworked everybody at age five and then age seven and age nine. So the, that's a long way of, of saying, you know, natural gifts are, are a thing, but you could still build yourself up. John means well into his career has changed his velocity. I mean, that what you are at, at 21, 22, you know, if you're a young pitcher, the Orioles draft you and you're throwing 92, you're not necessarily going to throw a 92. It doesn't mean you have to throw a 92 forever. You can build your velocity, but if you do throw a 92, there are still certain things you can work on. And what John mains has done this year and the last couple of years is evidence to me that with the right plan and with the right mental mindset, right. The right mentality, uh, you can succeed in this game. You don't have to be, you know, any name, any 98 mile per hour pitcher. You you don't have to be that guy. Um, this this is this is the game that you show I think to every Orioles pitcher of the minors and say, okay, so you're not a Rollins Chapman, right? Guess what? You don't have to be because this guy just did this.
0: To me, that's the big takeaway that you don't have to throw upper upper 90s to be utterly dominant, which is what John has been now going back 11 starts. Uh, Kevin. Say when the first time you saw John Means, he got into it early in the year there in Yankee Stadium, I think it was. Yeah. And honestly, I think most of us, whether you were fans, broadcasters, casual observers, you're kind of Googling the name. uh, Who? who, Who's getting that game?
3: Yeah, I I remember watching it. And I I had done a few spring training games. I I don't remember John pitching in any of them. He may have. And I may have just forgotten it. Because maybe he got an inning here or there in spring training. And he was never somebody that was really on my radar. Um, you know, this is my first year covering the team in 2019. And, and I'm just you know trying to, to be up to speed on all the players I thought were going to make the roster. And I remember there were two guys that surprised me because they stuck around. One was Hanser Alberto, who obviously was a, a great leader here for two years. And the other was John Means. And he just kept kicking around. And every week I figured, well, uh, you know, th- that random guy is just going to be cut eventually. This dude who pitched in one major league game and doesn't throw hard. Like, I'm not going to have to file away a large swath of John Means information this year. And yeah, he just kept lingering. He just kept lingering. He showed off that changeup in Yankee Stadium game one. Um, I, I remember I was watching the game and then I think I was listening to it on the radio by the time John was into the game and just, uh, I'm listening, going, wait, did I miss something here? Like, what didn't I see in spring? What, why, why weren't people talking about this guy? And obviously that was the coming out party for, for Orioles fans. And again, he hadn't really put himself on the national scene for two years because of where he he's been as a prospect and where the Orioles were. But I do remember thinking, uh, like I must've just missed something in spring trading because this was a guy who every week I just expected was going to get sent out, and he never did.
0: Kevin Brown. We appreciate so much and we'll see you in Baltimore soon. Bye guys. See you soon.
1: Come check out the bird's nest and all new Oriole bird experience during home games. Fans can purchase an exclusive opportunity to meet the bird, including a socially distant photo experience. All visits are 50 bucks with proceeds benefiting the Baltimore Orioles charitable foundation. Space is limited. Book your
0: spot by visiting Orioles.com slash bird. And Jeff, as this podcast drops, we're in a Thursday off day Yankees coming to town for three after a very brief, it can't get much quicker than a two game road trip. That actually was more like thirty-six hours because it was a Tuesday night and a Wednesday. I want to say morning, but twelve ten. It's morning for baseball people, and uh, and then back home to uh, face the Yankees. So it should be an interesting weekend at the yard. I know big crowds are expected, and we look forward to that.
1: Yeah, it certainly is, and and it's it's kind of strange that the the Orioles are going. It, it, it's a weird schedule because you got the wraparound game on Monday, and then you play Tuesday and Wednesday in Queens. And then you get the off date today as this drops and then the Yankees are coming into town. And so the Orioles were, were back home and they played four against the Red Sox. Now the Yankees coming in and just, there is no let up on this schedule whatsoever, Brett. You know, the, the Mets is, as we were taping this, I uh, had won five games in a row and they are not with Jacob de at least right now, he wasn't going to pitch in the series anyways, but, This schedule is pretty unforgiving, and the games that you thought might be forgiving were not forgiving. Because even though John Means uh, no-hit the Seattle Mariners, um, when we were playing Seattle, they were in second place in the American League West and had been one of the biggest surprises across baseball so far. So it's just a reminder of how hard this Orioles schedule is and how hard it is going to continue to be. Um, now you're just hopeful that you can find a way to win some games at home.
0: I believe it's going to turn around at some point, and you have to keep the faith, and the Orioles will make their home ballpark feel like that at some point here. But big thank you today to John Means. So cool of him to come on. We know how busy he's been. Everyone wants a little piece of John Means right now, and he brought it. He was awesome, and thank you to Kevin Brown. Um, And uh, Jeff, after this Monday off day, I think it's like 17 consecutive days of the game, so a big stretch for the Orioles, and hopefully they can kind of keep playing well and and exceeding everyone's expectations here in 2021.
1: I hope so. And I think it'll start with maybe your starters going a little bit deeper into the games. I think one of the more encouraging things over the last week or so is some of the starts you've gotten from Dean Kramer. I think that was really big. He pitched that game on Sunday against the Red Sox. I thought he threw the ball really well. He was great against the Mariners. So, I think that was encouraging to see, and you got to find a way to get a little bit deeper in a game so you don't wear your bullpen out. We know as you begin to introduce more uh, new starters into the mix, Zach Lather made his first major league start against the Red Sox this past weekend. As you begin to see that, there are going to be some days where your bullpen's going to have to cover some more innings. It's just part of the natural process of getting used to major league baseball, but especially getting used to major league baseball while playing the American League East and the Orioles schedule. So, I really feel like it's going to be on starting pitchers to find a way to go deeper into games. And John means has shown he can do it Matt Harvey has shown he can do it. Uh, but having some other starters do the same, I think will be a way to protect your bullpen and ensure that they can uh, remain as effective as they've been.
0: Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Well, uh, that was a really fun show. Great edition of inside the yard. Thank you so much for joining us for Jeff Arnold, Amber Hollander. Thank you for being with us here on inside the yard.